This week, is a former Missouri governor being paid to advocate for the Chinese government? A Baptist-founded college raises eyebrows as it hosts a drag-themed event on their campus. And Donald Trump minces no words on his plan for education should he win the election this fall. These stories and much more coming up this week on The Lion Week in Review. Welcome into this week's edition of The Lion Week in Review. It's a weekly look at the culture, the courts, your state capital, and your kids. I'm Chris Stigall. Now, let's meet our panel. Some of the men and women behind the stories at ReadLion.com. Michael Ryan, executive editor. Josh Mann is the managing editor. And Faith Perkins is a staff writer at The Lion. Welcome back this week, panel. Thank, Thank you. you. Got a great list of stories to comb through. We start, it seems, either on one of the coasts of the country, either California or New York. They're always doing something interesting in New York this time. I read a story earlier in the week, Josh Mann, that um, they, they registered hundreds of attacks on Catholics, Catholic institutions across the country. I don't know if this story spe- specifies Catholicism, but it is another church attack in uh, New York and something the governor there doesn't seem interested in addressing. That's right. So the governor was willing to uh, address um, after a mosque was attacked, uh, somebody came in and harassed uh, those who were present at the mosque. And the governor was pretty quick to uh, tweet about that and to condemn it. And, you know, rightly so. Um, But she's been silent when it comes to the attacks on churches. And in fact, there have recently been three uh, significant attacks just in uh, February on New York Catholic churches, including one in Queens in the East Village in Brooklyn. Um, And so we spoke with some folks, uh, including some from Catholic Vote, who were pretty upset and said, the the question is, what kind of message is the governor trying to send? Um, Is she really concerned about all religious persecution, or is there kind of maybe a PR play with uh, reaching out to, to those of certain religions? Of course, Michael, lately the news has been about the anti-Israeli sentiment, anti-Jewish sentiment popping up on college campuses, but it should be noted that right along with it are a lot of Christian institutions facing the same discrimination. Yeah, absolutely. And just because they're the majority doesn't mean it's okay. You know, I'm reminded of when Gabby Giffords was shot in Arizona. Um, Many people on the left tried to blame Sarah Palin for having uh, bullseyes on a political map, uh, which is was common at the time, and other conservatives for their rhetoric that may have led to the shooting. Well, that, that was completely debunked. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, it does matter what you do and say, and it matters what you don't do and don't say. And the New York's inaction on Christian uh, violence against uh, Christians is uh, it speaks very loudly. You know, um, it's kind of a virtue signaling for the left. Uh, it's not, it's fashionable to defend minorities, but it's not for the Christian majority. Um, and, but, I mean, if you've got a situation here where you're getting disparate treatment uh, by the state, I think you have the basis for a lawsuit. You know, Faith, we were at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention uh, as an organization. We were down there covering that last week. And, this is one of the things, obviously, that uh, religious uh, broadcasters are concerned about. And I know the former President Trump addressed it. This, this kind of rise in anti-Semitism, this anti-Christian or anti-Catholic sentiment, uh, this is purely speculative when I ask you this question, but do you think that's going to matter politically this fall to voters? 
I do think it is. Like it's already being addressed, and I think it's going to continue to be addressed. Seems like it's growing too. I mean, that's what's so alarming about it. It's becoming a bigger problem, not a smaller one. So, yes, yeah. it is. Um, this is another one. Uh, speaking of the former president at the NRB, you guys covered this, Michael, at the Lion. You, uh, Trump gave a. He was a little behind schedule. We were there, uh, ran a little behind. But when he got there, boy, the, the 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 faithful were fired up, and he seemed to be enjoying the scene. Yeah, and part of his uh, firing up was talking about supporting on day one universal school choice across the country. Um, he said his quote top priority will be to take back our education system from the communists and the freaks that are destroying it. <laughs> and I have the Pointer Sisters in my head singing, he's so shy. <laughs> he's very subtle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, cutting funding for any uh, school is, is his plan that uh, indoctrinates in race and sex and, and political content. And while I appreciate that sentiment, um, you know, cutting funding for schools should, in my opinion, be a purview of Congress albeit Congress has kind of given away the purse strings to the executive branch through the years. Uh, but, you know, it seems to me that you have choice in almost every aspect of your life except education. And that's kind of silly because it's one of the most important, if not the most important parts of your life. Do you imagine Josh Mann a day, there's no Department of Education? That is something that the former president said he would like to make happen. I wonder if he could ever achieve it. That's sort of a rhetorical question, but I wonder. Yeah, I wonder the same thing. So, as you said, you know, Trump said he plans to abolish the Department of Education, and and he's got a lot of support. I mean, there's been a number of folks who've come out and said that, but it seems to me that it will be easier said than done. Um, but it's a behemoth. And, you know, I guess it's about 53 years old now. I think it, it started in um, uh, 19... No, 1980, I believe. Um, so that's decades anyway of, of bloat and expansion, and it's hard to claw back anything that the government starts. But, you know, I think there would be a lot of people that would welcome that policy. You know, Tony Perkins uh, discussed the state of education uh, as well while he was there. He's very politically active. He's the head of the Family Research Council. Uh, he raised all of his children in, in a homeschool environment. His wife did the majority of that, he said. And and he was very clear uh, that, you know, the parents ought to be the drivers. And in fact, he went further. It was really interesting. It seemed that a lot of people there, Josh, were pro-homeschool, not even private Christian school, but the next step, homeschool. Yeah, I thought um, Tony Perkins' interview, which you did uh, with him, was He's so articulate. He was a legislator. So he knows, he understands, in my view, what it takes to pass policies, to, to govern. He, he's got practical issues in mind and knows that no policy is perfect. But as a homeschool father, um, he's concerned about government overreach. But I thought uh, he explained why, on one hand, parents need to um, be concerned about uh school choice legislation and, and ways that it might uh, bring government regulations into the home. But he has solutions for that. I think he wants to emphasize, you know, tax credit solutions to school choice, ways that keep the government out, but also give families choices. And, you know, obviously, Tony's coming at it as well from a Christian point of view. And, uh, and so has a very pro-parent, pro-family approach. And I I think it's refreshing. Faith, are you optimistic about, uh, and I know you've heard it, we've all covered it, you've probably written about it, there is a 
division. I don't think there's much difference ideologically necessarily, but there is a division between those who homeschool and who are products of homeschool and Christian schools. Oftentimes, they see themselves as maybe on different sides of the issue. They, they might dispute my characterization of it, but I think it's undeniably true that it's there. Is that getting better? Is that getting worse? Are homeschoolers... Uh, have you, and I forget if you said that you, in fact, have a history with homeschool yourself. Uh, you private school. Private school. All right. I don't, how much homeschool uh, coverage have you done? And have you seen the differences of the two or or not really? Um, yeah. So I haven't done a lot of um, coverage on homeschooling, mainly private school. But I do think that the divide is continuing as there's always going to be a preference. Yeah. Michael, healthy skepticism there. Understandable skepticism from homeschool advocates. Yeah, I think I think there's common cause, though. I mean, when you see some of the dysfunction in the public schools, and uh, you know, I think some of the uh, divides between private and Christian schooling and homeschooling are pretty artificial and easily uh, overcome. I guess my question is, and and maybe you all have a sense of this: is this the most sweeping support for educational freedom ever from a president or a candidate for president? It, it, the room, the way the room erupted, I'll just give you my opinion, uh, when the president began to speak of these things, it was probably, and this was, again, uh, a religious broadcaster's event, and when he brought up education, it seemed to be the most uproarious, uproarious applause, applause and reception that, of the remarks that he gave, so it's pretty remarkable. Faith, you wrote a story. This is pretty amazing because uh, for people that know this college, and I know a little about it, it's called William Jewell. And for people that may not be familiar with William Jewell, it was founded as a Baptist college, which makes this story you're about to tell and that you covered amazing. Talk to us about it. Yeah. So an alumni from William Jewell, um, actually, she posted on social media that she was upset that her former college is hosting a drag workshop where they will be showing you how to do your makeup, doing bingo and performing for you. Um, and it is going to be two um, drag nuns from the S Sisters of Perpetual Indulgences. I see. So, Michael, this is quite remarkable because even as a kid, this is a school I happen to grow up not too far from. And I know that once upon a time, th this is a uh, far cry from what the reputation of that college once was. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange uh, to be even talking about doing that sort of thing. I don't know what the education, other than, you know, the makeup, which you can get at the Macy counter. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the educational value is to this. Hey, couldn't you go teach that faith? You know how it's able to apply makeup. You don't need to get politically active about it, do you? No, I don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, Josh, I mean, this is a, I don't even know if they identify as a Baptist school anymore. They were founded as such, but I don't know. Yeah, they've distanced themselves. Uh, uh, officially, they left the Missouri Baptist Convention in 2003. So, you know, for 21 years or so, I think they've had, uh, let's say, more liberty to move the direction they want to, which has been in a, a liberal direction. Um, and it's a student-led group, so we're not exactly sure how much, say, the school has, but um, the school didn't get back with us, you know, so far there's no comment. Uh, the organization, which is called GIFT, did take down their original invitation and has made it a members-only event after our reporting. So there seems to be some kind of uh, response. Um, but the student that Faith spoke with, um, who's concerned, she publicly condemned the college's decision and announced her plan to peacefully protest the event. Interesting. 
Uh, I know we'll continue to stay on top of that. Uh, Michael, just generally, broadly, would you speak to um, university settings? Do you think private Christian universities, again, it's a speculative question, are they growing? Are they stronger now or are there fewer of them? Is backing away from your faith and your heritage as a faith-based college, do you think that that is a, um, a play for more students? Or do you think leaning in to one's faith at the collegiate level would be a smart play these days? I have to, it's just a personal thought, but I think it's probably just part of the drift leftward of all these institutions. I think it, that it's lock, stock, and barrel on those things. And, and, you know, and again, money is drawing a lot of that. I mean, if you have a course that's popular, you're going to get your point of view out. Faith, I'm going to ask you too about the Lake and Riley murder. We've heard a lot about it. Um, I, this is a young woman, and I ask you only because you yourself are a young woman. Does this resonate specifically, this Tory, uh, and I think most people are familiar with it now, um, an illegal alien from Venezuela was her murderer. Does this resonate with young women? She was out jogging on her college campus, as I understand it. Do you? Th can you speak? To, I know you don't speak for every young woman, but do you think that this matters politically? Oh, absolutely. I do think this resonates with a lot of young women. I'm a runner. I like to run at the Smithville Lake alone. I used to run at my college all the time. Um, I think it just makes people feel unsafe to do daily activities. Political fallout from this, Josh? You guys covered this the lion this week. Yeah, I mean, the Biden administration has taken shots from everywhere, it seems like, over this specific story, and, and uh, including from the Georgia governor. It, it seems obvious that a lax policy at the border has allowed a number of people that we really don't know anything about to come across. And this particular, the the suspect in the murder um, who you mentioned was uh, apprehended two different times in two different jurisdictions and released for different reasons. But it's the same kind of lax policy um, that allows this to happen. And I think critics are right to raise the question, well, how many more potential dangerous people are coming through? We just don't know. But we do know that millions and millions have entered the country illegally. Um, and so I think there's a lot of pressure on the president right now to address this. Michael, I just saw a poll this morning, as a matter of fact, before the show, that uh, Gallup now ranks this issue of the border and illegal migration the most concerning of all issues amongst Americans. Yeah. I mean, uh, I saw one poll where 84, 85% uh, put it up there. Um, you know, this is a case where this White House was slow to respond. And you have to wonder, is it because that the victim uh, was not in a protected class uh, and the perpetrator is? Um, and it also reflects on the open border policy. And even so, the Washington Post is cheering on the open border. Unbelievable. Immigrants are fueling a roaring economy is their take. <laughs> Meanwhile, Venezuela murders are going down because of migration according to Bloomberg. So perhaps we're getting the bad end of that. Bloomberg said, quote, Venezuela's rate of violent deaths dropped to its lowest level in more than two decades following years of massive migration as both criminals and victims fled the nation's economic crisis. How can you not think, especially after this murder, that we're not paying the price for this? I'm certain that the family did. Here stateside, another huge political issue, I think, to a lot of Americans, and it's certainly been something that's come up in previous campaigns, is the influence of China. And you guys have covered this the line as well, Josh. Um, 
former governor of Missouri has uh, taken a nice little salary, and you write that it's from groups affiliated with the Chinese government. What's going on there? Yeah, this is Robert Holden Jr., who uh, many Missourians might know better as Bob Holden, former uh, Missouri governor. He is a chairman and CEO on a board of an organization called the United States Heartland China Association. It's actually headquartered in Jeff City, Missouri. I had never heard of it. Heartland, um, United States Heartland China Association. Association. Right. And so <laughs> the name itself seems a little silly, but okay. That's just me. That's right. And so basically, um, the organization tries to promote Chinese relations, business, uh, and such things in the Midwest. One of their programs uh, helps mayors of small to medium Midwest cities go to China. And it's, it's uh, in, in the words of our reporter, kind of an influence campaign. Now, some of the people involved uh, on the board or on the committee have some uh, shady, you might say, uh, associations with uh, Chinese, you know, CCP front organizations, including um, an effort to create uh, police stations outside of China to monitor Chinese uh, nationals who are outside of China in order to bring them back and prosecute them. So, you know, on the face of it, it seems like uh, maybe just a, a nice cultural organization, but the, the article is full of lots of questions and um, associations that should be called into question. Now, former governor earns a salary of 60000 or so uh, for a very part-time role, and it's, it, they only spend, um, they spend less than that per year on programs. So it, it, it's an organization that I think um, we need to keep an eye on. And uh, I would encourage our listeners to go and read the whole article because there's a lot there. Michael, this is an enormous issue with uh, everything from the Chinese spy balloon in recent news to Chinese acquisition of our farmland in the Midwest and in the West, Chinese influence generally in our universities, uh, intellectual property theft. So to have a former governor of a state uh, in the middle of, that's an amazing name Josh just shared. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think you have to wonder if you've been co-opted at this point. Uh, anybody that's read former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's book knows that he says that the Communist China, uh, Chinese Communist Party is the number one external threat for America. Uh, and he says these sorts of programs are, quote, an affront at every level for the Chinese Communist Party to have the capacity to influence our government. The Chinese Communist Party is truly evil, end quote. Now, one of my observations during my newspaper career is that corruption is much harder to recognize when it's right in front of you. It's a lot easier to see corruption in somebody far away. And I think evil is the same way. Speaking of corruption, Faith, I don't know if you want to speak to this. It's a fascinating story at the line. You don't often hear about school board members and fraud and actually being arrested, but you guys have written about this. Yeah. What do you know about it? We did. Yeah. So four members were charged, two were arrested at the time of the story. Essentially, what happened is 32 people pulled money together to um, campaign against three Republican that were part of the Purple Purple for Parents organization, which is a Republican um, organization. And they didn't write down the 32 members' names on the form. Interesting. So it's a, a pooled uh, sum of money to oppose Republican candidates. This is an Indiana school board, by the way. I wanted to clarify, Josh. 
That's right. And so um, essentially, a lady in the community who apparently had a husband in business, um, you can get the details in the story, said, look, I'd like to oppose these three conservatives who are against CRT and such things. And but to do it, they kind of laundered the contributions in a way, allegedly, illegally. Um, and as Faith said, you know, the arrest warrants for four of them were were uh, issued. And so it's it's just an example in one smaller community of how, I mean, the school board elections, we've never seen school board elections like this. I mean, how, how often would you have seen campaign? Most people don't even know they were going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but clearly it was a big issue in this town and, and there was some people concerned about these pro-parent uh, candidates getting on the board. Wow. Juicy stuff this week at The Lion. Go to readline.com for all the details. So before we close, uh, we always like to ask the panel their favorite stories, what they specifically think you ought to check out at readline.com. So, Michael Ryan, we start with you, your favorite story of the week. Yeah, my favorite story was, uh, quote, appeals court sides with Iowa on law banning mask mandates, uh, which I think is a blow for freedom and for limiting lawsuits. Faith. Oh, yep. My favorite story was from Jillian. It's survey a third of public school teachers want schools to teach progressive gender ideology and most want more say over classroom instruction. A third. That's a, a new survey. Yep. Gender ideology taught. OK, Josh Mann, your favorite. Well, this past weekend, um, sadly, the, one of the victims of the Kansas City parade shooting was laid to rest. But a kind of a silver lining in that story are uh, the chief's kicker, uh, Harrison Butker, donated a special white jersey that the family requested the the, the woman be uh, laid to rest in and uh, released a statement. And, um, you know, Butker is an outspoken Catholic and uh, his, it, you know, kind of wears his faith on a sleeve in that sense. But you could see the generosity, the way that it, what it meant to the family, just kind of a neat way that the community came together and that, you know, one of our local uh, star athletes is is showing his faith, demonstrating his faith in that. Great stories. Great stories all. And that's going to wrap it up this week. But be sure to keep up to date on all these stories and so many more at readlion.com. For all of us at The Lion, we thank you for downloading the show. We'll see you next time.